Welcome back to the Darko Audio Podcast. I'm Darren Henley, and I'm talking to John Darko, who's streaming in from Berlin. I'm changing things up for this, our fourth cast. You ready? Let's go. I guess we should start with the fact that a reader emailed us with a, with a very simple question, really, about recommended DACs below 2000 US dollars, you know, what what would we recommend? So I thought we'd tackle that today. Um, you know, as in, what are the best stacks below two grand in 2018? Not that I've been released in 2018, but where we stand now in 2018. All right. Um, so obviously, I have some, you know, a fair amount of experience in this field. But I think you were on the look lookout for a new deck. Is that right? Uh, no, I'm I'm happy with the Yggdrasil, mm. but maybe down later on we can talk about uh, streamers. I think uh, I, I'm more in the market for a streamer or and server. Okay, well let's start. Let's well let's start at the top of my list of recommendations then, because the Yggdrasil, made by Shit Audio in California, would be one of those recommendations. Um. It sells for, I think it's 2300 US dollars now. Um, at the Analog 2 version, that is. And, I mean, it, it's it's a very, very, very good sounding deck for the money. Um, I really like it because of its avidity. Sort of just tonal color seems to pop out at you at every turn. It really does bring music to life in, in the best sense without grating or being irritating. Or I don't know whether that, that's what you find with yours, but... Uh, yeah, I would agree with that. Though you're, you are using the uh, analog to the new version. Yeah, I guess below 2500 bucks, I would say the shit that Grisil would be... I don't want to say my number one recommendation because people will write in going, what about this? What about that? Or don't you think that one's any good? Well, I haven't heard everything. So, <laughs> you know, I have to just... Right, you can't no, cover No, I just have to it. go with really what I've heard. So, um, you know, I would say that the Yggdrasil is probably, yeah, my pick for Dax at 2500 bucks. But that's not my only pick. So... Uh Well, that's good to hear. Um, I, I do like my mm. version one Yggdrasil a lot. Uh, I don't have any plans on, on you know, uh, shopping for a deck. Though, I, I think I'll definitely move to mm. the analog to upgrade eventually. I'll have to ship it back to them. So yeah, they, they that's the whole. What's one of the points of um shit's um design philosophy with with dax and with headphone amplifiers is that they're modular and upgradable so you bought one a few years ago and now you can send it back to the factory in california and for what i think it's for a few hundred bucks have it upgraded to the new the new analog board so it's just it's just the analog board that's been updated isn't it i think yeah, they've well, they've done two updates since I purchased mine, and and one of those was the general, um, or not general, but it's available to all their modular 
DAX, and that's the Gen 5 USB. Mm-hmm. Um, and I bought mine prior to them releasing that, and now the Yggdrasil Analog 2 board, which is $550. Right, okay. Uh, and I agree. I think that is a, a fantastic feature. This extends the life of your your gear mm. and happy to, happy to invest in something that, that allows for that sort of flexibility. But, I mean, it, it basically means that you don't have to sell your version 1 on eBay or... Um, What's that website called in the USA? Audiogon or anything like that so that uh-huh. you can then fund the version two. You can just have it upgraded. I think it's very nice. A, a lot of companies are doing this now. I think it's great. I think it's certainly better than trading programs and things like that. That's very cool. But let's let's move it along because <clears throat> I don't want to dwell too long on the Yggdrasil because there's other things I want to um, give a shout out to. Um, and I think... The Yggdrasil is just a DAC, okay. right? So you just put in USB or <clears throat> spit of an analog comes out, right? Um, but if we look at something like mm-hmm. the Cord Electronics Hugo 2, that's a DAC. Um, it's also a headphone amplifier and it's battery powered. So it could, you know, it goes anywhere and you can plug it into your phone. So it's, um, it's a multifunctional device. So anyway, yeah, so the Cord Hugo 2, fantastic sounding piece, really, really good. Um, excellent headphone amplifier on it, which you obviously don't get on the shit, so it's, you know, it's a, it's a multi-function box. Um, that would be my number two pick. I, I forget how much it sell for. It's about 2500 bucks also, I think. All right, so my third DAC recommendation um, at 2400 bucks is the Brooklyn Plus from MyTech. Um, and it's a half-width box. It's mains-powered. It has a headphone output, which can is optionally balanced on the front. It can be a preamp with user-selectable digital or analog volume attenuation. Uh, it does MQA, full rendering and decoding, if that's a thing that you're into. It's, a very, it's probably one of the most affordable decks that does that. Um, it also has um, a phono stage built in so it really is that horrible awful audio cliche the Swiss army knife of digital front ends but it's not just digital it is you know, because the phono stage is both moving magnet and moving coil oh wow you're right this which is, is a very, un- yeah. very feature yeah, packed yeah um, but what I really like about it is that uh you know, I have a pair of Genlec um, 8341 The Ones mm-hmm. monitors uh, here, active monitors, and they only have an uh, an XLR input. Ah, okay. But the MyTech has XLR outputs, so I can go straight from the MyTech into those Genlecs for, and it'll, you know, it'll, I can play from a computer, I can play from my turntable, I can run headphones if I want to and bypass Genlecs. Um, and it's the most minimalist system. It's absolutely fantastic. So I guess my point with all you know these three options, the shit, the cord, and the MyTech, is that you'll probably ch- make your selection based upon the functionality more than the sound. I don't want to say the shit sounds the best because people go, well, I don't want to get the MyTech if it doesn't sound the best, but it does so many other things for the money that it's an app. 
I won't say it's a bargain because it's over two grand and you can't be flipping about that kind of money but in terms of how it competes with its rivals then it's very good um, the core does not use an off-the-shelf DAC chip like the MyTech the MyTech uses the EASS 9038 Pro um, I don't want to get too much into this because it is a family show um, but the, <laughs> the cord does not use a an off-the-shelf chip like that it uses um, an FPGA loaded with Rob Watts' magic special software filter I think that's all people really need to know about that at this point and they can Google for more um, and also the shit doesn't use uh, off-the-shelf digital uh, digital to analog conversion chips it uses I think it uses some medical grade analog devices chips along with a very special filter that Mike Moffat implemented that keeps hold of the original samples so it's kind of it's a multi-bit DAC again don't want to get into what that means now but it's a multi-bit DAC but it also interpolates as well so it's kind of a the best of both worlds but like you know it's not Delta Sigma like the the MyTech is but when you get into talking about multi-bit versus Delta Sigma it's you're into this kind of hypothetical battle that really just does not need to be fought those are my three recommendations you know at that price if I was looking to put together another system I would consider something like that because it's so straightforward to have one box right and a pair of monitors for example mm. is fantastic but I went. I actually moved up from the Goon, the Gunier, I think that's how you pronounce mm. it. So yeah. I had the Gunier multi bit and loved that, and decided to move up to the Yggdrasil from there. Yeah, it's interesting actually because I I had the Gunier a couple of well a year and a half ago, and I I do think the Yggdrasil is actually it's it's not only better it sounds quite different. Yes, it's more it's more alive sounding. It sounds more alert. It's less sort of fuzzy at the edges. Yep. Um, not that I would have ever call the Gunier that standing in isolation, but you know, because I've already raved about the Chord Hugo Two. If you don't need its headphone capabilities or its battery portability, Chord have released the the what they call the cutest deck, which I think sells for about fourteen hundred bucks. So it takes away um, the headphones, the battery, but maintains the the Hugo's. Hugo 2's um, digital filter, Rob Watts' code. Um, so it promises to sound just as good as the Hugo 2, may, maybe even slightly better. I mean, depends upon, um, I guess, circumstances and system matching. But that's something to consider at, yeah, 1400 bucks. Because I just don't, I just don't see any other sort of deck getting near the, the, these kind of entry-level chords in terms of detail retrieval and sort of like the spatiality of music you know really kind of drawing a big like basically drawing music as a big painting and extremely detailed but not that kind of you know that hyper hyper real detail it's just it's very elegantly done nice and so um, that would be comparable in price to the Gunier multi-bit yes it would yes yes I could be flippant and say, well, go and listen to them, but I guess it's very difficult for people to listen to the Chord and the Gunya side by side. Although shit do, is it 15 day returns in, US, in the USA? Yeah. So I think, yeah, so I guess it is 
it's not impossible. I realise that comparing gear is, you know, tricky for most people. Um, but yeah, I'm just, I'm just. Uh, this is not really me trying to compare this with that. It's me just, right, you know, just giving my my picks really, my my, my favourites at you know two and a half grand and below. And let's say fourteen hundred bucks. I think most people, most people, would be hard pressed to better the chord cutest. Or the Gunier, depends on whether you like a little bit more sort of romance in yourself. Mm-hmm. <clears throat> and then that sort of shit chord um, duality appears again at about 500 bucks because you've got the Mojo, which is a, again, battery-powered portable device with a great headphone output on it. And then you've got the shit Bifrost multi-bit. So again, they would be my two picks at that sort of money. Okay. You know? I mean, I mean, it's embarrassing, really, but really, shit audio are—they kind of shit and cord really are pushing the envelope in terms of what, in terms of value for money. I—I mm-hmm. I mean, the only other company that I can really draw on that probably would rival them is a Chinese company called Audio GD, um, whose decks I used to review a lot when I first started out because they were easy to get from China. But you can only buy them really directly from China in most of the world. They do have some agents in Russia and the Netherlands, I think. And, but it's very difficult. Like when you, when you want to try an Audio GD deck, you really have just to take a punt and buy it. But they do a ladder deck now. I think it's called the R2R1. I think it sells for about 800 US dollars plus shipping. I reckon that would also be a good bet. But again, it, it's a bet. There's you know, there's no returns. There's no dealer support. But yeah. Audio GD make killer, killer bang for buck. Oh, interesting. Dance. I'm not familiar with them. <clears throat> yeah, the, the URL is audio-gd.com. Yeah, they're a bit of a sort of sleeper brand because the guy that runs it is called Kingwa. Um, and I think he's just getting them in China and selling them direct from China, mostly. So if you go on a head fire, you'll see a lot of coverage on them. Um, but elsewhere, okay. not so much. Yeah. So, so do you have... Oh, oh, sorry. No, no, I was just going to I was just gonna summarize and say, so, it, you know, between 500 bucks and 1,000 bucks, Audio GD, cord, shit. Again. <laughs> right. Um, the, do you have any comments that you'd be willing to share on the portability of the Mojo? I mean, have you have you used it a lot in that circumstance? It's a very good question. Um, no, is the answer um, because when you strap it to the back of a phone, it, it, it can connect directly to a, um, a smartphone. Uh huh. Assuming your smartphone, if it's an Android, does USB out. But the uh-huh. problem is, is that you there's no way to really kind of conveniently package them together and put them in your pocket. I mean, if you could rubber strap the the cord mojo to the back of your phone, but then you'd if you'd use the rubber straps, you would obscure most of the screen. Mm-hmm. Um, you could keep, you could hold them separately, but that's not really going to be pocketable. And then you've mm-hmm. got to worry about if you put them in your pocket, are you crushing the USB cable, the headphone cable as well? It's it's really. It's it's fine if you want you know you want you're at your desk and you want to plug your phone in and get better sound at work or even in, even at home, and obviously it works with laptops as well and normal you know, normal desktop computers. 
So it does have that wonderful sort of flexibility of use case, but I think in terms of portability, I know that when they launched it, they were really pushing hard on smartphone compatibility. Personally, I don't think it really fulfills that brief. But then okay. Core did introduce the Poly last year, which is, um, I mean, you want to know about streamers, right? So it's a streamer that directly bolts on to the Mojo. So it's only for the Mojo. It directly bolts, bolts on to it. You put it in a case. And then, you, then you've got this sort of battery-powered portable uh, network endpoint with mm. DAC attached. So you can plug it straight into your amplifier. Mm-hmm. Obviously, got, because the Mojo's got volume control on it, you can have volume control. Um, and it's rune-ready, and it does um, UPnP streaming. It does MPD streaming. Interesting. Yeah, because you can then unplug the the Mojo Poly from your Hi-Fi system, and plug in a, a micro SD card in the, in the in the bottom of the Poly, and take it outside, and so you then use your you use your mobile phone to control the playback of the SD card contents, or you can or you can airplay ah. from your phone. Or, there are so many ways okay. to use this thing. It's it's really quite amazing. Again, I don't want to go too far into that. I've reviewed it. There's coverage on my site about the Cord Poly, and there'll be more to come because it's a it's a constantly evolving product because of firmware updates, software updates. But I would say, in terms of a streamer DAC combo, I I don't you'd really you'd really be really hard pushed to beat the Cord Poly for under two grand. I, don't, I just I wouldn't know what you would buy. You probably have to step up to say like a wired for sound server at three grand or two and a half grand. I'm not sure what they are exactly, but then you don't even have a DAC in that. So this thing is a, a streamer DAC. It's 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 amazing. So we've sort of diverted there a little bit from the DAC recommendations into streamers, but Poly is the uh, the go-to streamer I think for the for the Mojo. And then if you don't, I mean, obviously not everybody's going to have mega money. People have, you know, 100 bucks, 200 bucks. 200 bucks is a lot of money to spend on a deck. So that kind of price point, um, my recommendations would fall, first of all, well, let's talk about the desktop first. If you want to make your CD player sound better or your computer sound better, and you want a plug-in unit that sits on your desk or in your hi-fi system, again, this is kind of, I mean, this company really are shitting all over this recommendation list, but um, they make a shit, make a a DAC called the Modi 2 and it's available in standard version uh, which is USB only I think I think it's a hundred bucks then there is the Uber version which adds SPDIF connectivity so if you want CD players and streamers and things like that right. I think that's 150 bucks but that's a Delta Sigma DAC and it's designer Mike Moffat is not really he doesn't love Delta Sigma DACs it mildly but obviously they do it for business reasons. But if you want a multi-bit DAC for 250 bucks, you can get the Modi 2 multi-bit, which also has spit of and USB. And, and you know how a lot of people compl- tend to complain that digital audio sounds irritating and metallic and all these sort of things. And I, I don't find that with the multi-bits from Cord, not from Cord, from shit. So that would be my recommendation for desktops. But if you want to improve the sound of your computer and your smartphone, then look at the AudioQuest Dragonflies. 
So they are sort of USB stick sized DACs that plug straight into your computer or into your phone using a, a dongle adapter. The black one is a hundred bucks. The red one is 200 bucks. And I take the red one everywhere I go. I plug it into my computer when I'm in a cafe. And then when I'm you know walking about, I use the dongle and attach it to my smartphone. So it's just a super useful piece of equipment. You know, and I recommended the black to a friend a few weeks ago. He said like, what should I buy a hundred bucks DAC just to make my headphones sound better while I'm working? I said, just go and get the AudioQuest Dragonfly Black. Um, and he became back to me after a few days and went, this thing is amazing. It's a hundred bucks. It's, it's superb. And he trotted out the usual cliche. I'm like, I'm hearing things I've never heard before, which even though it's a cliche, it's a nice thing to hear, isn't it? I mean, it's, it shows that it's doing what it should do really in many respects. Yeah. Mm. Um, I had a Dragonfly Red. I mentioned that. And I loved it. I ended up selling it because I, again, mm. have little need for portable gear at this point. But I did think it sounded excellent. I hadn't, or they had not yet updated the firmware, though. And so I was dealing with the Android volume issue. Ah, uh, yes. So the the software apps on some Android phones wouldn't attenuate the volume control on, on the chip inside the um, the red, yep. which has been solved actually very recently, right? Right. I mean, I made a video recently where I suggested that, well, not suggested, I said that if you take, I, I mean, I take my Xiaomi phone, I plug in the Dragonfly Red, and I've got a portable setup, which I think sounds better than my Sony DAP. And probably sounds better than a lot of dApps, um, which is you know it sounds better and it ha I can do Tidal, Spotify. I can play from an SD card as well, micro SD card as well. Absolutely superb. So I think that these dongle DACs are challenging the idea that we need to buy a digital audio player, a DAP, if we don't like the sound of our phone. Mm -hmm. I mean, we can just sidestep that purchase with a a thing that plugs into your phone. I mean, the dongle thing's a bit annoying, but, you know. I agree. That is, that is, the dongle thing is a little bit annoying. But if I was comparing, for me, thinking through this, I've not owned a DAP, but if I had one that had mm. comparable sound, I would choose the Dragonfly because of the, the flexibility. To your point, mm. we can stream with Tidal or any other service or use, um, you know, onboard storage, you know, SD card. That's fantastic. number of headphones that are coming to market that have iOS lightning connector connectivity so like the Audacy um, iSigns or uh, one more make a noise cancelling IEM which plugs you know has a lightning termination so I think these are also challenging the notion that you need a DAP to get good sound on the, on the road um, yeah I will be talking about more about this subject probably in a future episode i don't want to really get into it too much now i'll be making another video about something related to it all right probably next week but sounds good um but i mean i really i really want to sort of stay the course with dax um 
And then you, I mean, you were, we, we also wanted to talk about streamers as well. Is that right? I'm interested in talking about servers and streamers or getting your thoughts on um, the current market, at least based on your, you know, what you've been exposed to. Yeah. Mm. Um, I'm using a micro rendu, as you know. It's made by Sonore, right? Sonore, micro rendu, which is fantastic. It, It really did make a significant improvement to my streaming sound quality. But I'm still using a Windows, a dedicated Windows machine as my Rune server. And of course, I want to, that would be my next um, component purchase would be a, a standalone server streamer. So, so that listeners are aware, what were you streaming from before you had the micro rendu? Um, hold on a you know, second. My, my dog is snoring in the background. I hope you can't hear it. I can't. No. <laughs> He's, I swear he does this on purpose. He sits in the chair behind me when I'm recording and makes all sorts of noise. Let it go. Uh, let's leave it in. I think it's cool. <laughs> <laughs> so his name is Hank, just for reference. All okay. right. Um, so Hank, Hank likes to make noise when we record. Uh-huh. So yeah. I, what was I using before the... Okay, so I mentioned earlier that I, I had a Gunier multi-bit, and that was mm-hmm. connected directly to my computer uh, via USB, but I was using a AudioQuest jitterbug to sort of try to uh, yeah, yeah. mitigate some of the noise coming off the desktop machine, right? Right. And, and, and it did, those do work. I do think they help. Mm-hmm. Um, and then I moved up to the Yggdrasil, and I was still using it direct. So I, ha- mm-hmm. I had no streaming, no network capability. It was all hardwired in my in my system. So the DAC was connected to the computer. Um, and then I guess it was last year I got the micro rendu. And so you think the micro rendu sounds better than your Windows machine? Definitely. Right. Yes. Okay. I experienced a, a, a very nice... Um, increase in sound quality, mm. and and you mentioned earlier some of the the common attributes that we use to describe the harshness of of digital mm. playback. Much of that is reduced by was reduced by my um, networking and using the micro rendu, which um, is of course connected via USB to mm. my Yggdrasil DAC. So this is a very, very salient point because a lot of people when they start out, and I did this as well, when you, they start out with a DAC, um, especially those coming from the vinyl world, will plug a DAC into their computer over USB and complain that it sounds harsh, emotionally uninvolving, a bit cold, a bit, de- bit detached. And mm-hmm. th- that's not the DAC that's doing that, I don't think, or largely not. It's what they're using to feed that DAC. So usually it's like a, I don't know, like a, like a laptop or a, just a standard sort of consumer-grade PC. And those things are extremely noisy. And I don't mean like acoustically noisy, I mean electrically noisy. So they, f- they send right. a lot of electrical noise from their internals along the USB cable into the DAC. And that's what causes the DAC to sound suboptimal, which is why we're now discovering these, you know, these streamers, these dedicated streamers where the circuitry is 
been designed to minimize noise, these things make our DAC sound better. And I would use, I would draw on a vinyl related analogy here is that you wouldn't put a $200 cartridge on a $10,000 turntable because it's just, right. but you have to see that there's a, you know, I guess we all need to strike a balance in, you know, the, the pricing of our cartridge or the quality of our cartridge um, as it relates to the turntable's quality. So there are two things in play, the turntable and the cartridge, and also the phono stage. I guess that's three things then. So, but all of those things matter. I think where people go wrong with digital sometimes is they kind of go, well, it's just ones and zeros, don't need to work. And I do this as well. I don't know. I mean, when I first started out with the, with the Logitech squeeze box, but not the touch, the one that came, actually, no, it was a slim devices squeeze box. And I used to run spitter uh -huh. out of that into a DAC, into a Cambridge DAC Magic 2009. Oh no, I'd already upgraded to the, 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 the Squeezebox Touch by that point, but I'd been running a slim device squeeze Squeezebox for a while. I had the Squeezebox Touch and I was Spidiff coax into a Cambridge DAC Magic, which is really how I got here. That Cambridge DAC Magic was how, what started everything for me. Um, but it took me a long, it took me many years, I think until John Kenny's JK Spidiff USB to spit of converter um, to really convince me that transports mm -hmm. make a difference. So to kind of draw on last week's conversation, it took direct experience for me to overcome the idea that it's just ones and zeros and whatever you're using to feed your deck doesn't matter. It absolutely matters, which is why we're seeing this sort of blossoming subcategory of streamers and all sorts of widgets that make our, you know, like USB reclockers, um, USB the spit of converters, all these sort of devices that make our, our standard computers sound better, but also dedicated streamers. And then, you know, as you push into the higher end, which I think is your next step, is to push up from the micro render. Is that right? Absolutely. Uh, I've been reading about the Inuos components for some time, and then I know that you mm -hmm. have written about them now. Um, so I'm mm -hmm. very interested in that. That's a, a, a pretty large investment. Um, <laughs> mm. But I think that would be my next step because I, I am very happy with my DAC and I don't see any need um, to move on. So the, the server would be the, the final component in the chain mm. for me. So, but would you be using it just as a server to send audio over to the micro render? Or would you use it you know, would you get an Inuus? So for people that don't know, the Inuus range of servers, uh, uh, they have internal hard drives. They're designed to have low noise USB output. But you can also use them. They, they have internal storage, which the micro render does not. So you can use them as a server streamer all in one. Or you can just use them as a streamer, which is how I use mine, because I have a separate server in my kitchen that streams to it. That's right. Okay. Right. So <laughs> it doesn't sound quite, I think that's probably a little bit less than suboptimal. Like I, the best sound I get is if I stream directly from the internal hard drive. But because I have so much music, I want to keep my external hard drive in the kitchen because it spins, it makes a noise. I don't want that in my, you know, my, my ah, bedroom. Yeah, right. that makes sense. Yep. Right. And, and I've got, so p p people think, well, why don't you just put all the music on your Inuus server box? Well, it's got two terabytes of internal storage and my library is three and a half. 
So okay. I just kind of, yeah, I've got this server here. But so even using the, I've got the Inuus um, Zenith Mark II SE, so the, the limited edition top of the line thing that they had last year uh-huh. in this. Um, and I think it sounds absolutely stunning. It really does. It makes all of my DACs, it really brings the best out of all of my DACs even when just using it just as a streamer, so I'm not really using its internal hard drive. It's it's server functionality. Okay, yeah. so you to answer your question, I would want to use it as both. I would want to replace right. what I currently have and simply use the, the the Zenith as my server and streamer and simplify a bit. Ah, I see, okay. Well, that, I think that makes sense for most people. If the, if the, li- if the internal hard drive can hold your library, Yep. You can you can dispense with an external hard drive, which is both electrically and acoustically noisy. Yep. And you just have this box that, you know, and it has a CD ripper on the front, so you can you know rip CDs. You buy them. Yeah, and that's great. So yeah. for me, I do not have more than two terabytes of of music mm-hmm. that I would need to store. Um, I currently use title for most of my streaming and rune so Mm -hmm. is the inuos it's a rune endpoint yes it can operate as a rune ready endpoint yes yep so yeah this is this is an ideal option for me then Mm. because it would satisfy my storage needs it would satisfy my rune endpoint and streaming needs and i don't have enough um local digital storage to 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 need something outside right. of, of the say two terabytes um currently i when i purchase music so i stream on title but i like to buy music because i like to support the artist mm-hmm. right we've discussed yeah. this and but these days i'm buying it on vinyl um because we again we've talked about this too just because i enjoy mm-hmm. it so i'm not buying as much for, on cd for example or uh digital mm. downloads yeah i think that's an the, the CD thing, just to sort of divert for a moment. I mean, CDs are amazing, and they're especially useful for when somebody puts an album out, and you can't. Where do you buy a lossless download? I mean, some of the many of the artists that I like to support or whatever, or that I like to listen to, they're if they're not on Bleep or Boomcat or one of these other sort of download sites. I struggle. Like, how do I get the lossless download? I mean, I can stream it from Tidal, but I want to own it. So right. I have to buy the CD and rip it. This has happened a few times now, which is why I don't want CDs to go away. Is because they're the best source of, or the most reliable source of lossless files. Which is a huge irony, really, but there we are. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, the only... Ex- yeah, uh, I would say my the best uh, experience I've had or the most luck I've had finding uh, a lossless download would be through Bandcamp, but that's a limited um, number of artists that are going to provide their music. Do you know what is interesting though, and not many people know this, is that most of the titles that are available on Tidal as the Hi-Fi tier to stream are also available through Tidal's download store to buy that's true yeah that's not a well-known thing i think people just see title as a, a streaming service which i guess i guess it is but it's also a download store as well yeah they don't they don't really push that no they don't but there's an album 
um, so there's a band called Luna, who sort of sprang, who sort of sprung up from the ashes of Galaxy Five Hundred. Um, so they issued a record store day exclusive last year. It was a remaster of their mid '90s album called Penthouse. Um, I couldn't get a copy of that album anywhere here. I, I've not seen it. I would, I would buy it if I could. Um, and then. I think they were. Then it started to appear on streaming services at the end of last year, but not in stores. But I did. I think I did see it on the title store, and I almost bought it. I think the reason I didn't was was because it was like thirty five because double CD. It was like thirty five bucks, forty bucks. I thought I could get the vinyl for that if I, you know. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So anyway, diversion. Can I? Can I actually to bring it back to your micro rendu? Yes. Ha, have you tried any other? Have you tried any? Uh, have you tried upgrading the power supply on it? Yes, I, I didn't know if we wanted to get deep into that. Well, so, I know I said it was a family show, Darren, but I think <laughs> <laughs> now we've right. co- we've covered all the sort of DAC recommendation bases. We can go a little bit sideways. So we might upset upset some folks, but yeah. So we talked briefly about um, my my streaming situation when we talked about the data over power lines adapters mm-hmm. um, and we didn't get further into uh, for example the cables or the power supply that I'm using mm-hmm. to to drive the, the micro rendu um, but I, I started out when I purchased it I started with the they offer a couple different options Sonori mm-hmm. right and it, it was the iFi I believe yeah that's right yeah Fifty dollars, yeah. I think, along with the micro rendu. I I did purchase that initially, and then I moved up to the their linear power supply, um, not not theirs, but Uptone Audio's. Yep. Linear power supply uh, built for the the micro rendu, mm-hmm. and and that did also improve. It further advanced, you know, those. The characteristics, um, how do I want to say? It just further improved the sound quality. Right. There were more di- more dimension, more tonal weight, more color saturation, mm-hmm. um, less hardness and flatness. Right. You know these things that we hear in digital audio. The the power supply um, certainly made a difference. Um, and then just real quick, I'm I am also using AudioQuest Cinnamon Ethernet cables for my Ethernet connections. I did upgrade. Mm-hmm from just standard ethernet cord okay D- can you tell us if you thought that made a difference or not i i think it did and so um i'm actually in the middle of doing some more testing around all of this this whole setup because mm-hmm. after we we spoke briefly about my power data over power lines um experience i thought i should go back and and um dig a little deeper mm-hmm. um i i do think yes my experience is that cables matter i've had that experience with my other components um i told you i like anti-cables for example yes um i not only use their speaker wire but i use their usb cable okay and yeah i also have one of their digital rca cables mm-hmm. and all of these i've experienced a similar change in sound quality a very pleasant one mm. Um, so cables in my experience make a difference and the ethernet cables are not exempt from that. I mean, I would agree with you, but I mean, 
I know. It's a tough one, though. It's, 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 yes. I mean, I guess it's, a, it's a, what is it? A 1% difference, a 2%, a 5 I don't know how you would quantify it. I mean, it's subtle. It's definitely subtle. It's definitely up there in the, the subtler things you can do. But as we've said before, everything matters. So once you get to the end of, you know, upgrading power supplies and streamers, you can go to Ethernet cable next. If your downstream gear aren't resolving enough to reflect that, mm. it might be even more challenging to discern a difference between two cables. Mm. Right? Mm. Yeah, yeah, for sure. And, and I, I mean, it's just, it's difficult. Every situation, everybody's system is different. So it would be hard to tell a listener what they might experience. Mm. But my experience is, yes, absolutely everything matters. And that I have, I am that I've that experience has encouraged me to do more experimentation and you know if I have the time and means I will do that I want to bring it back to streamers actually because there is a sort of a fly in the ointment in, in the streamer world now and that fly is called Raspberry Pi actually no it's really called small board computers ah. of which Raspberry Pi is one particular type but so these are these small board computers you can get them up and running with Linux People tend to think that you need to be some Linux guru to get them up and running. You don't. I mean, you just you just have to burn an OS to um, I might say burn like write an OS to um, a micro SD card, slot it in the bottom, power it up, connect your Ethernet cable, connect your USB cable to your DAC, and you've got depending upon the software on on the um, on the micro SD card, you've got like a UMP UPnP endpoint or a Rune endpoint or even a Squeezebox simulating endpoint. Um, and for, oh, so the Raspberry Pi sells with case and power supply, let's say 50 bucks, right? Now, the thing mm -hmm. is about the USB output on the Raspberry Pi is I don't think it sounds very good. It's okay. It's probably no worse than, and actually it is probably a bit worse than my MacBook Air, but, but the thing is, is that there are a bunch of companies now making these things called, called hats, spelled H-A-T-S. So a hat is a plug-in board that plugs onto the top of the Raspberry Pi and pulls the audio up into a bespoke digital board, which is the hat, and then these these boards will either convert it to analog or or route it into a spin-off output. So you've got this okay. sort of so a, let's let's use an example, right, that I've have reviewed. So a low digital make a hat called the Digi One, which takes the audio off the Raspberry Pi board and spits out Spidiff. And okay. and it sounds absolutely bloody fantastic. And I think the whole the whole shebang, Raspberry Pi, um, a low board, power supply, and then the low you need a case to wrap both boards. Um, it's about two hundred bucks. So really and I'm not saying that's nice. the only one you can buy or the best sounding one you can buy. I haven't heard them all. I'm just saying that this is a very good sounding unit. And this is really, for me, where good streaming sound starts. So like a low make another board. Actually, they don't make a board. They make a thing called the US Bridge, USB Bridge, which Phil Wright reviewed for my site mm -hmm. a couple of weeks ago. And it uses a different small board computer. It's not a Raspberry Pi. It's a Sparky. But you just buy this whole thing. So you get the board, you get the hat, it's wrapped in a case, you get a power supply, you just plug it in. Boot it up and off you go, you got a room ready endpoint. And what it does is it basically takes the audio from the Sparky and reclocks it and spits out USB, but a higher quality, lower noise, lower, lower jitter USB. So there's this kind of very sort of slow, quiet revolution going on in 
at the very entry level with with streamers. Um, so these these devices like wipe the floor with Sonos. Sonos's digital outputs of the Connect very weak. So how much, um, how easy are these to? Do they require assembly? How easy are these to to get together and it get depends. running? I mean, if you buy the whole thing, so if you go and go to a manufacturer and say, look, I want to buy, um, your your hat, your audio file hat for the, the Raspberry Pi. You can buy the whole thing with a case and a power supply. Mm -hmm. so you just got to plug it in and set it up. But if you've already got a Raspberry Pi, you probably don't want to buy it. Oh, okay. So you're probably going to, need to go and buy the board and the case that houses the, the stack of boards, you know, the two boards together. Um, so if a streamer company is building a an entry-level streamer now, they really want to make sure that it sounds a lot better than um, these but the thing is, is that because the you know the Raspberry Pi is all developed, it's all um, open source, right? All the software, so it's all community uh -huh. developed. So I think the biggest cost to um, streaming manufacturing development, and certainly the most frustrating thing. But you, you know, with, the, with these Ras these Raspberry Pi guys, have got it sorted because all the software is community developed, all the apps already exist elsewhere. You know, like Squeezebox, UPnP, Rune. So they're just falling into existing ecosystems. So, you know, there's real, all these, you just, yeah. <laughs> I just don't see how <laughs> streaming companies can bring an entry-level unit to market now that on which they'll recoup their investment into software and also sound better and be as usable and as flexible as these Raspberry Pi solutions. I might be wrong. There may be a company that can do that, but... Um, Auralic have done a great job with their own uh, in-house developed software but it, you know mm -hmm. if you ask me to pick which sounds better the Auralic or the LO Digital I'd probably give the, give the nod to the LO Digital spin-off board it's only spin-off output okay. so I mean the Auralic device is a lot more than that but I'm just using that as an example um, and I love that Auralic Aries Mini I think it's a great piece but um, yeah it's, it's seeing a lot of a lot of um, stiff challenge from the small board computer world i've not used any raspberry pi mm. devices but i've read about them many times uh, out of curiosity and i'm assuming there's a pretty large community of folks who are are playing with these things and trying mm. to improve them and i think the downside of of that whole community not the downside but the thing if you're like a regular guy who's never really dabbled it with computers or whatever you might google raspberry pi audio hat and you might just see a whole bunch of internet forums and websites that are so geeky that you're put off or you think that there's going to be a you're going to need to put a lot of time in to kind of set these things up and they're really not they are pretty <laughs> right. much plug and play most time you'll have to spend is to find out how to write a an ISO file to a micro SD card and there's a great app for that I use for okay. I don't know about Windows for, for Mac OS I use an app called Etcher, E-T-C-H-E-R. And all I gotta do is just load in the into the interface, you know, tell it where the ISO is, tell it where the SD card is, and click burn, I think it is. And it does it for me. And then I just pop that into the Raspberry Pi. Okay. And I can switch operating systems whenever I want. So if a new one comes out that does, you know, this kind of rune or that kind of squeeze box, you know, like a different sort of thing or different menu configuration system, I can just dance about between them. I love that.
that's one thing I like about um, backing up for a second. You reminded me. I like that the MicroRendu's firmwares on an SD card that they have made updates available for. It's pretty cool. Yeah, so they're also there's another company that's offering extra value yep. to an existing customer base. Yep. Right? I think it was twenty dollars to get a, them to mail you a new or me a SD card with the new new version of the firmware. Which also added Spotify Connect, didn't it? I believe so, yes. Yeah. See, okay, so here's the thing, right? Spotify, for me, Spotify Connect is really an essential component of a streamer, even though it's lossy streams, because as we've covered before, they have a lot of music. on. There's a lot of music on Spotify. It's very popular. It's the world's biggest service, blah, blah, blah. Right. Um, and so to be able to have... I would, I would, I, things I look for in a streamer, right? And number one, I look for Rune because I'm just, I love it. <laughs> Me too. But uh, Right. But the <laughs> second thing I look for is Spotify Connect. Okay. UPnP, yeah, not so keen on it really, to be honest. I know there are people who really swear by it and use um, J River or, you know, one of those apps to sort of push oh, audio to it. Right. But it's not me. I'm, I, I'm not going to sit here and, you know, be on on that kind of system, but you know, I say I look for Rune, Spotify Connect, and occasionally I do like the Squeezebox owner for many years. So I have a deep affection for the apps and the just the whole thing, really. That you you know that sort of, have sort of blossomed around it. I mean, I don't think the, I mean, as good as Rune is, I think um, the Squeezebox server software is considerably more powerful. Um, and extensible as okay. well because you can load in modules that add, you know, BBC radio streaming or you know so many things. That, I was yeah. just going to say that I have very limited experience with any of these features. Mm. Um, I didn't get in deep into any of those, and then I found Rune, and mm. so I've stuck with it because I do enjoy it so much. Um, I guess it's, it just works for my circumstance, right? But like, why would you spend all that time plowing through all those things? I mean, I do this because it's my job. You know, I'm a, I'm a, right. I'm a full-time audiophile. So, you know, like, I spend all day playing with these different things. But if you're, if, right. you know, if you're, you know, cash rich and time poor, as many people are, then spending 120 bucks a year or 500 bucks outright on Rune is probably money well spent. Not for everybody. Not everyone's got that kind of cash, but maybe those people have more time and they can play around and you know conf- you know configure their own sort of squeeze box based system and then step up to room when they do have the money uh, yep uh, what i'm saying is there are there are options for everybody especially if you use raspberry pi based streamers because of the community development you know adding this functionality to that os or creating this os fork from that one yeah i can't even keep up with it all i mean i, I rely on readers to sort of email me about this new OS or that new feature or whatever. Yeah, I imagine that would be very difficult unless you were dedicating time every day to keeping track. Well, yeah. But then again, you know, I'll have a phase with Raspberry Pi and then I'll pull out my Sonore Ultra Rendu or Micro Rendu and use that for a while and just, you know, rock with Spotify Connect. The Inuit server doesn't do Spotify Connect. So maybe that will happen down the line, but, you know, it doesn't do it yet, so... Does the, sorry, mm. this is a little off topic. Does the Inuos Zenith, is it connecting to the DAC via USB yes. only? Yeah, it's only a USB okay. link. 
Um, so okay. if you want a streamer server with coaxial output, you might want to look at. I think Antipodes make one. Um, yeah. Um, so yeah, and that's also a very nice sounding piece. I've mm -hmm. reviewed both the older Antipodes and of this new Inuit, so I couldn't tell you how they sound compared to each other because I never had them in the same room at the same time. So, um, but mm -hmm. again, it's like, it's like all of these things. Like, I mean, people that people are want to know what's best, right? They want they want the one shot answer. What's best? That's best, you know. And that there is no answer to that, and not just not only because I haven't heard everything, but because you you know you might really love as I do Spotify. So an absence of Spotify Connect might be a deal breaker for you. So that means. Right, Inuus is not for you, and maybe you'll go with Antipodes because I think that there's Spotify Connect. I think I don't know. People will have to check that, but it runs the same um, small green computer operating system as the Sonoro devices. So, or it did the last time I checked, anyway. Ah. Um. So yeah, and but the broader point here is is that you know people might say, well, what's best, the Antipodes or the Inuus? I don't know. I'm probably never going to be able to find out, which is fine. But I doubt very much you would be disappointed with either. But I think the problem that people have is that is they kind of get one and they go, and they still don't know for sure if it's better than the other, and that eats at them. You know, so they they become these glass half empty listeners. You know, they focus on what you know, or maybe the grass is green on the other side. They make oh, this is really good, this is wonderful, and instead of just sitting back and enjoying it, they being optimizers as audio files tend to be they kind of go oh maybe the, maybe the other one's better maybe i'll get that i don't know and they go scrambling around the internet for answers yeah we've we've turned into a That's philosophical right. <laughs> oh, sorry i have turned this into a philosophical kind of um conversation i didn't want to go there this week i wanted to make this more of a practical um conversation you know like a this is good that's good buy this don't buy that well not don't buy this because you know there aren't yeah and I, th that's great and mm. but i do think that that point you made is is very important so that's okay here's another thing right here's another thing to think about right poor man's rune ready endpoint take um i don't know take a like any any mobile phone and, and let's pull back to the the uh, the first part of this conversation take a take a mobile phone plug in an audio quest dragonfly and then route that into your amplifier mm -hmm. but because the rune app now does audio out into the phone whatever you know either the phone itself or whatever's connected to the phone right you know you can put that on on your stand next to your DAC um, especially if it's an older phone or phone you don't use anymore and there you, there you, there you have it a rune a room ready endpoint right there or you can use a powered USB spin-off converter for a better sound, so you can pull digital from the phone. Some, I think a reader emailed me saying, John, you've got to try the shit eater. I, I think it's pronounced eater or eater, E-I-T-R, which is a USB spin-off converter. So he was yes. using it to pull ones and zeros from a phone and then spit off out into his DAC, and it was, it was wonderful. So that's another way of, you know, getting a, a decent endpoint up and running with well that's rude I mean I don't know about others so I've used um, iPeng as well uh, that's okay. developed by a guy here in Berlin who I met and you know he's 
his iPeng app can act as a squeeze box endpoint, which can also emulate a rune endpoint. I mean, just the permutations are endless, but you know, I think these are, you know, these sort of little hacks are very useful for people that are battling away with lower budgets. I have nothing more to say about these, <laughs> these topics. You have been listening to the Darko Audio Podcast. You can find more of John Darko's work, writing, and videos at darko.audio. And you can find more of my content at thenewold.co.